Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, and it's a sweltering hot and humid Ontario right at this stage. We're waiting for some rain up where I am in Woodstock, and we're here with episode number 135 of The Yacking Show. This is the show to awaken you to new perspectives for the changing world we find ourselves in, and it's changing every day at the moment. And today's guest is really going to help you get used to these new perspectives, but it's not my job to introduce him. Kathleen does it so much better than I do. Uh, Before I welcome her, just to mention, she wears another hat, and that is Keritech Solutions, where she can help you with your IT recruiting and development needs, but she knows more about that than me. So welcome, Kathleen. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Peter. Thanks for that intro. And thank you all so very much for tuning in to our show. We so appreciate you and we love reading your comments. So please keep those coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And as Peter mentioned, we do have another special guest with us today. His name is Norm Tam. Norm, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure being here. And it's also sweltering heat in Montreal. This <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank, thank heavens for air conditioning is all I can say today. <laughs> but Norm, you are the founder of Ikigai Coaching. So for our audience, can you give us a, a little bit about your background and how you were drawn to the world of coaching? And first of all, perhaps tell us exactly what ikigai means sure yeah that's a great question um there's a little bit of an origin story because the ikigai was actually what inspired me to to start my coaching practice ah, yeah. so um for all of those who do not know um ikigai is a japanese term for reason of being very very simply put yeah so it's uh, purpose or reason reason for being um, it's a rather simplistic notion and it's in its Japanese roots. It's very straightforward. It's, you know, something that gets you motivated to start the day, a reason to wake up for. Um, and then obviously from a Western perspective, we like to just complicate everything and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, take, and take simple practices and really put frameworks to it and, and tools to it. So, um, if you actually Googled Ikigai, you would get the phone book these days. It's a very popular um, self-development tool and you'll probably end up seeing the, the four concentric circles um, yep. the Venn diagram that represents Ikigai, guy uh, which I can get into in a, in a, in a bit um, but all that to say that it's I actually perform my own Ikigai I went through the exercise myself uh, when I was uh, working on my own personal development and it inspired me so much um, that I realized that I had to follow my Ikigai which was you know when I had walked through it it was to start a coaching business. And I was left with one decision. Do I just kind of accept it on paper or do I turn it into reality? And I chose the latter. Very good, very good. I, I think you've answered what I was going to ask you, but you can expand on it with pleasure. And that my question was going to be, why did you choose Ikigai instead of some of the more common North American coaching philosophies? Yeah, um, I mean, like I said, the, the origin the story behind it, it, it actually inspired me to start my business. So I, I figured, you know, this, there's no better name for my coaching practice. Uh, guy. It's so centered mm-hmm. around purpose. And I think that's, uh, sure. that's a big topic these days. You know, a lot of people I speak, I speak to, um, it seems like the pandemic had a wonderful effect 
of awakening people to that little deeper sense of, of purpose. Uh, and I hear more and more of that as people that, you know, I hear are switching jobs more often as, you know, a lot of my clients that I speak to are going through a lot of change themselves. And I think, you know, purpose is, has always been that topic, you know, for thousands and thousands of years as human beings um, that resonates. And I'm sure, you know, thousands and thousands from year, years from now will continue to resonate mm-hmm. uh, with mm-hmm. people as the search within uh, becomes a little deeper. So, I mean, long-winded answer to your very direct question, Peter, why did, I, why did I choose that? I actually believe as a tool, it's highly effective in, um, in, in assisting people to get one layer deeper in terms of what are they actually trying to accomplish. Okay, okay. I'm going to jump in, if I may, Kathleen, with a follow-up to that one for Norm. I, my accent's different. You probably picked that up. I spent most of my life in Africa. And, and I would argue that people who live a very simple life close to nature, and not just in Africa, all over the world, don't have this huge problem with what is my purpose that many of us more sophisticated people in the first world do because their purpose is to survive and to stay alive. Yeah. And to do that, to do that in harmony with nature as much as possible. And you know, some of the most contented people I've come across in my whole life have been people who we would say are absolutely poor, but in their lifestyle and in their contentment they're richer than anything so am i on the right track there or, or? Yeah, i think well personally speaking i think you're absolutely on the right track i think it, it comes it has everything to do with um, maslow's pyramid yep. of um self-fulfillment yep. and yep. you're absolutely right peter if you're if you're hungry and you don't have shelter and you're just you know struggling to get by to live the existential questions of what is my deeper purpose on this planet probably not going to be going through your mind as you're you know, uh, looking for your next meal. Right. So right. I, I actually believe it's absolutely a uh, kind of developed um, world issue. You know, when life is comfortable, when you have clothes on your back, when you're driving around in a decent car, when you have food, you know, at your disposal every single minute of the day, um, the, the mind tends to wonder, to, yep. sorry, to, to wander. Um, Okay, well, now that I have all this, what's next? What, what next? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or yeah, no, now that thanks. I have all this, why am I still unhappy? Which is really, I think, a bit more of the common yep. um, theme that comes up is I have all these beautiful things. I have a family that you know that I I, I love. Why does it feel like there's still something missing? Yep. And um, you're out, you hit it on the head. As some, someone that, you know, that lives a simpler life, and that's what I was alluding to when I mentioned the, um, the, you know, the Japanese concept of Nikki. It's so simple. It's like a reason for getting up in the morning. No, thanks for too. that. Yeah. yeah. Kathleen, I, over to you. Well, I mean, just to, to um, echo what you just said, Peter, um, and I know this show isn't about me, it's about you, Norm, but it's it actually ties in. I... I was in Peru a few years ago and right into, you know, the jungle. And I remember watching these women who had, you know, in terms of money, in terms of possessions, absolutely nothing. But here they were washing, scrubbing their clothes in the Amazon River. And I was observing them and they were absolutely, from my perspective anyways, joyous they were mm. laughing they were dancing they were carrying on with their children but they had nothing and and in fact we we, we did see where they lived and, and 
literally cardboard boxes is what they used for shelter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that, I, I would was, actually argue, Kathleen, and that's a beautiful story. And I would actually argue that they did have something. They have they they probably had something that most people don't have, mm -hmm. um, which was an appreciation of just the the pure present moment. Yes. In its simplicity. Yes. Right? You're absolutely yeah. right. I should not. We are here. We're alive. We're, we're in a community right now. Uh, the weather is nice. Um, yes. We're healthy. So life is good. Right. Mm -hmm. They are in the yeah. moment. Right. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I'd like to take a deeper dive if I can, uh, if we can, Norm, with the diagram that is on your website right yeah, now. So I'm going to screen share. And for those of sure. you who are just hearing this as a podcast, I'll ask Norm to kind of describe what we're seeing yeah. and that you can kind of walk us through this. So here we go. Can, can everyone see my screen? Yep. I can see, I can okay. see that. Yeah. So, so like I said, I mean, if, if you Googled the, you know, the, um, term ikigai um this you more or less find something a lot of um you know things that look like this um you know ikigai really is and again i, I will have to specify the more western approach um right. this is a tool so this is this is not to say that you have to use this tool to to find a reason for being not at all everyone has um their own ways um, this particular tool really focuses on four elements um what you love what you're good at, what the world needs and what you can be paid for. Mm -hmm. And um, the concept is in the intersection of all those um, pillars or elements, um, you do find that reason for being that, that personal ikigai, right? So, um, you know, what you love, and I, I, I won't, like I said, the very present on Google, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of um, research out there, what you love, is the intuitive component is the component that you know um the emotional aspect don't think too hard about it if you're trying to find your own personal ikigai just go with instinct what would you do if you didn't if you weren't going to get paid for all day long what do you love doing what you're good at a great way of um you know um, finding that out is asking others actually um asking others uh what do you think i'm good at or or noticing what people come to you for a lot you know, if a lot of people are showing up at your doorstep saying, hey, you know what, you got a great ear um, for music. Hey, you know what, uh, when it comes to cooking, like uh, no one does it better than you. Those are cues to pick up from, from fam uh, friends and family. What the world needs, now we shift into the external components. So the, the first two are really internal to, uh, to yourself. What the world needs, again, is just um, a bit of a fact check on, okay, you may find something that you love and, and that you're good at, but if the world really doesn't need it, it's going to be very difficult to find fulfillment and purpose there because, um, again, it's just not sustainable. Mm -hmm. And that goes very similarly to that last pillar, what you can be paid for. Um, again, the notion of sustainability. If, you know, the world needs it, you love doing it and you're great at it, but you really can't find any way of being, you know, remunerated for it or compensated for it, um, going to be extremely difficult to sustain um, you know, that, that practice or, or vocation that you come up with. Hmm. Very good. And for those of our audience who are listening to this audio only, uh, the link to Norm's website where you can find this diagram is in the description. So if you want yeah. to find out more, go there and contact Norm and we'll be talking about it a bit more later. Right. 
Good. So I've got one for you, Norm. You know, I'm, I'm old, much older than you guys. And I know that years ago, coaching for top-level sportsmen was popular, right? And, and I'm thinking the first, in my memory, the first major televised professional sport other than soccer in, in Europe was golf, right? And all these big golf players like uh, Nick Glass and Gary Player, that, and yeah. I'm really dating myself now, but they all had coaches. So it was common for professional sports people. But it's only comparatively recently, I believe, that people have gone to coaches for lifestyle, for success in business. And also, mm -hmm. what, what, what brought that about, do you believe? Um, I actually think it's just a, it comes about from the recognition more and more so that, um, you know, the human aspect in business is, is important. Uh -huh. okay. and, and, you know, by recognizing it, that, you know, the success of a business really comes down to the success of its people. I think that's why we're seeing coaching more and more accepted, more okay. and more really accepted um, in, in the business world, because we realize that, you know what, if I actually do want my business to thrive um, or to develop more than it has been doing, perhaps I actually need to look at the human issues that are going on within my business and potentially unblock those, right? So that, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. by doing so, my, that my business can actually get to the next level. Okay. And, and I'll give a perfect example. You know, um, you know in, a, in a regular sport coaching um, framework, if, you know, we, we try to get an athlete to run faster, but the athlete just has a bad knee, right? Um, there's going to be not much success there. Because, you know, you can, we can try all we want. Uh, you know, at, at, that, at that point, the coach probably just has to say, listen, we're just going to rest at this point. And, you know, I'll, we'll come up with, with a schedule three or four weeks from now to kick the training back off to get to the next step. You know, in a business, it's really not that different. You know, sure. if we're trying to improve the leadership or the management um, capabilities of, um, you know, of, of the business, but we realize that there just happens to be a very um, bad culture at play within the organization yep. um, that doesn't seem to appreciate to want to better its people. Well, that's the bad knee. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no point going down that path right now. And until we correct, you know, the knee issue, or in this case, where does that culture come from? So that we can we can you know address that, and then after that, focus on more of the tactical and the habits of better, you know, better leadership or better management practices. Right. No, very, very good analogy. Yeah, that is absolutely correct. Good. So Norm, although you've done coaching throughout your professional career in some form or, or another, yeah. you've decided to actually start a dedicated coaching practice in 2020 at the height of your professional career. But what was the catalyst that made you made, make the change yeah. at a period in time that is, you know, it's, it's the world is in turmoil. Yeah. Um, you know, you're bringing a lot of memories uh, to that, to that point in time now. Um, you know, in short, it was, it was, um, you go back to the Ikigai, you know, in short, that's what inspired me. I actually had the, um, the, the deathbed question posed to myself of, you know, if I don't pursue um, this passion of mine and where I do um, feel this deep sense of purpose with wanting to help others. If I don't pursue that now as not only my career, but as, you know, uh, my own business, 
will I regret this? It was that deathbed question. Am I going to regret, re- mm-hmm. regret this on my deathbed? And uh, I mean, the, the answer just uh, stared me down on my face pretty quickly. Uh, it was a resounding yes, you will regret this. So what are you waiting for? Um, was kind of the, uh, <laughs> the answer that, that came about. Um, not to say that it wasn't scary at the moment. Mm, I'm sure. You know, as you mentioned before, um, I, I was at a, you know, a good momentum in my career mm-hmm. and, you know, could have, um, could have probably just continued at it and, uh, you know, had the financial stability and, um, you know, the, 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 the kind of professional fulfillment that can come from, you know, uh, further in your career. But, um, you know, I really decided that I was, you know, 43 years old at the time. Still, um, you know, old enough to have the experience to get me um, through starting a new venture, but young enough to still make some stupid mistakes. <laughs> no. <laughs> you're, so, never too, you're never too old for that, believe me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, I, I just figured it's, it's the perfect time. It's the perfect time, uh, you know, and, and what's, what, honestly, you know, um, uh, one, of, one of the practices um, that I love doing with my clients when coaching sometimes is asking, what's the worst that's going to happen? Yeah. You know, at this point, like it, it seems very scary and there's a lot of that ego at play. Of, I'm going to be giving this up and, you know, I work so hard for it. But at the end of the day, you know, really, what's the worst that's going to happen? And uh, when I realize, you know, not much because I can always decide to further my career once again um, through the traditional path. Right. Well, it's time to jump. Oh, good for you. My goodness. I have yeah, well so much respect well for people that are able to do that because I think it yeah. does take a lot of courage. Don't, don't you think so, Norma? I, you know, I think it just takes, um, I, was, I, was, I was talking about this with my son the other day because um, we, we came about on the topic of skydiving. I don't even remember how it came up. We were driving and, you know, he just kind of asked like that. Did you ever like skydive before? And I said, I actually did skydive. And, um, and I told him, I said, you know what? As exhilarating as the actual um, event was, obviously, you know, like with the tandem jump, jumping out of a plane, uh, you, know, with, you know, someone, a stranger on your back, <laughs> that you're just hoping it's going to do the right thing. Um, I, I, I told him that, you know, um, it's really what came afterwards that I'm the most appreciative. And it's, it's the ability to sometimes, you know, in the day-to-day events that you're going through, that split second where you're jumping out of the plane and you're saying, you know, screw it, I'm doing this. You know, yeah. that's what I appreciate about it because that I actually take to my day-to-day quite a bit. Yep. And, you know, you know, being an entrepreneur, starting your own business, I think there's a lot of that. There's a lot of the screw it, I'm doing it. For sure. That, to, that has to creep in um, to, to help you out. And, you know, I, I told my son, I said, that's the part that I really appreciate um, taking from that experience. Um, because I think, you know, like you were saying, it does take, it does take a little bit of courage, um, calculated risks, all that stuff. But I think it really comes down to like, are you going to jump or not? Mm. Most of the time. Yep. 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 Yeah. 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 You know, and what, what I found is, is the, the other side of that coin, the perception that not taking the chance offers security, stability, long-term gain, 
is somewhat false because everything, no matter how good you think and safe you think your job in the regular world is, corporate takeovers, whatever, just in a heartbeat, the whole thing can be thrown oh, upside yeah. down. And oh, other, yeah. other, as I found, other factors as well. So um, you've got a bit of balance, but I, I know exactly what you're talking about, that exhilaration yeah. of jumping out of that plane. Not that I've jumped out of planes, done a few <laughs> other scary things, but I, I know what you're talking about. So what I wanted to ask you was, was who's your typical coaching client? And as a two-part yeah. to this question, have you found an increased interest in coaching? I think you mentioned this before, since the virus 18 months ago yeah, started. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, uh, the second part of the question, Peter, quite honestly, I, I can't answer from experience because, you know, I, I started um, sure. my coaching practice, in, you know, during the pandemic. Right at the beginning, yeah, sure. Um, but what, I, what I, I, like I said, personally, I can't really, uh, I can't really say that. But I, what I will say is from what I hear a lot, um, coaching is like just a growing um um, industry and i mean you can tell there's a lot of coaches out there mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm sure you see all of us on, on linkedin on instagram like there's a growing community and i think there is a um, there's an openness um that it, it supports and it's that open um minded perspective of you know what i've come so far by myself maybe i just need an external perspective and that's, that's really why I, I believe um, the industry is thriving and will, will continue to grow. Um, to get to, you know, um, the, um, the, the first part of your question, Peter, what, what, what was it again? The, Who's your typical coaching client? There's actually a mix at this point, mm -hmm. to be honest with you. Um, there's obviously just the business um, coaching, which... I would say mixed with consulting as well, because okay. you know, the, the 15 plus years I have um, from the corporate world uh, when it comes to you know, um, business processes, uh, implementing frameworks, um, implementing the right KPIs in your business and being able to measure performance. Um, I couldn't get away with, from that even if I wanted to at this point. And even when I, when I started my coaching practice and really wanted to focus more on personal development, I had contacts just, you know, reaching out saying that that's great and all more, but like, we got a problem in our company. You think you can right. grab a look and, and help us kind of, um, you know, um, fix it. So um, quite honestly, between the mix of that and individuals who personally just want to improve themselves, whether it be uh, through executive coaching and kind of the management and leadership stream, or really just the life coaching, the personal, um, you know, uh, true personal development, um, uh, I have clients in all three pools right now oh, okay. um, and enjoying it quite a bit. You know, at first when I started, I, I think I went through what many coaches try to do is I got to focus on one thing. I got to focus on, on one niche, um, which was exactly what I was trying to do. But then I realized at one point, why am I fighting this? You know, um, I have these clients coming to me from, from different um, avenues with different skill sets. And uh, if anything, I find, you know, being able to mix all of those different realms sometimes really is what kind of sets me apart. Sure. You know? sure. So being able to work with a CEO or a CEO of a business, um, but get into the personal mindset of the issue, which quite honestly, 90% of the time is where the, where the issues are anyways. <laughs> it's really, it comes down to personal mindset. Mm -hmm. Being able to work that out first and open that up, um, that playground, so that um, it's extremely receptive and we're, we're seeing together what the potential is there if this mindset will shift, right? 
that's step one. After that, all of the, the tactics and, you know, business practices and leadership and management practices come in. Um, like they just, they just flow afterwards. Right. 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 But it, it's, yeah. it's always mindset first. Absolutely. Yeah. Interest. That's interesting. That's- Very good. So Norm, you've just touched on this, but I'd like to I'd like to get a little bit more detail into. Perhaps you can walk us through yeah. the process you go through when uh, when you begin to work with somebody. What do yeah. they? What can they expect from you? What? what how do you start yeah. the process off when somebody says, "I need some help here"? Can, can yeah. Well, that, that's usually the first step. Usually, usually the first step um, is some um, recognition, some self realization that. Okay, I'm at, a, I'm, I'm at a place where, and this applies in business or, you know, just, you know, for, uh, for personal development as well. I've gone to a point right now where I kind of feel a little bit stuck, overwhelmed. Um, I seem to be repeating the same thing over and over again and not getting, you know, a certain result that I want. Mm-hmm. I need to just get some, some, some different perspective on it. So I'd say almost 100% of my clients um, no matter from what stream they're coming in from, share that same viewpoint, that initial viewpoint, that there's something that's going on and I need to speak to someone. So um, in the initial consul- uh, consultation call that I'll have, um, we'll get into all that. We'll get into, okay, what is the issue? Um, what is the problem? Um, and what's very interesting is usually what the perceived problem is right? The one that comes out of the, the individual's mouth within the first five minutes mm-hmm. is very rarely what the actual problem is. Yeah. And, you know, and we get to that within, our, well, within an hour in the you know, yeah. first consultation call, like we'll start playing around with that. And that's where I'll start to see the, the nods and the, oh yeah, okay. Oh yeah, okay. I understand now. I see why maybe I haven't been able to, to, to turn this around. Um, and you know, and then we're defining a baseline interest of, okay, what is this coaching engagement going to be about? So that's the next step is really, really getting focused on, um, what specifically are we going to be working for? Um, and quite honestly, what I, what I, I don't start any engagement, um, before defining, well, what are going to be the goals and objectives that we're going after? Or else it's just too, it's just too vague. Mm-hmm. It's too, it's too gray. And, um, I'm, I'm literally setting up my clients probably for, uh, you know, for, uh, not being successful if, sure. if we're not clear on what the engagement is all about. And, and then after that, I mean, really it's, um, it's a, you know, I, I call the coaching, uh, experience a complete back and forth, um, trust um, it's, it's like, you know, you're, you're, we're, we're batting the ball back and forth very much like a tennis match, you know, um, I'll ask a question. I'll, I'll try and gain some, some perspective, um, ball over the other side of the net. And, you know, whoever I'm coaching is, is, is knocking that ball back saying, well, this is how I, I'm feeling about this, or this is why it hasn't worked out yet. And we just keep going back and forth with, you know, um, a line of, self-questioning really right and at a certain point and you know it's a hundred percent at a certain point it does happen where there's the aha moment Mm. and and that's the moment quite honestly that i live for like that that's the moment when i see the look on the other side of the screen or in person when the person is kind of nodding and saying oh 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I see that now. I got it. Right. Yeah. And, and that's what, and, and I, I, I do want to make the distinction, you know, that's, that's really the difference between consulting and coaching. Okay. Right. Um, consulting is when kind of people just kind of pay an expert because they have the experience to come and more or less guide them and just show them, you know, this is kind of what you're going to have to do. Um, coaching on the other hand is, um, I'd say a lot more complicated mm-hmm. because the coach's job is to actually have the person that you're coaching see the solution right on their own mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there's where the difference lies and that's where the ownership the difference in ownership actually uh, is completely different um because I, I i like to joke about it but i don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie inception um it's, it's a couple years back but it you know it, it's it's a movie about the idea of implanting thoughts in someone's mind and having them think more or less that it's their thought okay okay but but it's actually the most powerful way to actually have someone, oh, sure. um, um, yeah, you know, own something is, I mean, we know this, we're human beings in general, um, you know, when we think of it, it sticks. Yep. yep. Right? If someone else says, no, 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 you can't do this. You need to do this. And I'm telling you, you need to do that. Most of the time we're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I know myself, I know what I'm capable of doing. And you know, that that's, that's for someone else that that's not for me. Right. Um, so really coaching is all about getting that moment when there's a realization from the individual themselves of what they need to do. And it sounds so simple, <laughs> you know, and in those moments when it does split, it actually is pretty simple because um, that's the foundational piece. Because when that happens, everything that occurs afterwards is just about setting up the habits setting up the tactical a little bit more for success afterwards. But that major block is like, you know, has been removed. Mm-hmm. But getting there sometimes is not exactly the simplest thing. That's right. Because, right. Yeah. It's also incredibly good if you get it right for bringing up children. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if, you can, if you can get them to think it's their idea, I tell you, it saves so many headaches. <laughs> well, you know what? It's, it's, you know, it's so funny you say that, Peter, because, I mean, obviously I, I have two kids and I catch myself sometimes, you know. Um, the, the go-to parent instinct is, no, I'm telling you as your father, don't do that. This is what you need to do because I've been around longer and you need to listen to me. That's, that's the instinct that I fight all the I time. I know, I know, I know. Right? But when you realize that, you, you know, then I get into coach mode, I put on my, my coaching hat <laughs> and start asking some questions of, well, listen, why do you think that's the best way you're going to do that right now? Right? And then you see the mind start to go. Yep. And, you know, is there a better way maybe that you can, you can, you can do that so that everyone is happy? You know, like, you know, I'll ask that question. And then they'll say, well, you know, maybe um, I need to share this more with everyone or maybe, you know, I'm going to help out before dinner. And it's like, okay. Yep. Cool. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's easy, but it's hard to get it, get it right. It, it, it's hard to remain consistent. I think that's as parents, that's, that's yeah. it, you know, that's when, when, you know, the, you're tired, when you get home at night, when you've had a long day and you're forced with it, you're, you're faced with a situation where you're like, okay, I can just play the, authoritative right now and do it because I'm a parent or actually go through a bit of a more elaborate process. We're all human. We're all going to gravitate. Sometimes listen, this is easier. I'm just going to get it done. It's hard to get it right. We're running, 
we're running short of time, Norman. I've got a question I've got to ask you. I ask yeah. all our successful people this question. So based on your, your sort of years experience in the corporate world and coaching and, and talking to and meeting with such a, a wide range of people, what would you say is the most important characteristic or, or mindset or habit, if you like, that differentiates the successful? And I'm not talking just in terms of accumulating wealth. Yeah. Successful and um, content people from the majority who seem to be stressed and, and generally unhappy. Is there a key? What's the key? Accountability. 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 Yeah. Ah. I've, I've noticed that, um, you know, with every single client I work with, um, yeah. the, the ones that are, like you said, a little bit more content and, uh, you know, a little bit more open-minded, um, they're accountable. They, they, they know that it's up to them. Right. right. The ones that will keep a story going of it's not my fault. It's yep so-and-so's fault or you know this person has made it impossible for me um unfortunately those are the individuals that it's going to be a little tougher it's going to be a little yep. harder to get to those breakthrough moments because there's a lot of displacing going on mm. absolutely and i yeah thank you for that and and i agree 100 percent with you and just to, to, i got to relay back to you we asked this question of a lot of people yeah. and there's probably only six factors that come up time and time again this is one of them and there's a few others but it's not as if there's 12 or, or 20 no, different no. things there's very few that come up yeah. so thank you for that kathleen over to you i think we're running low on time uh peter so norm yep. how do people get a hold of you how do they contact you very easily uh by phone 514-968-7648 or it's i have the same social media handle across facebook instagram and linkedin it's norm tam coaching so on any one of those platforms, um, you can find me that way. That, sorry, that was Facebook, Instagram, and? And LinkedIn. And LinkedIn. Yeah, all Norm Tam Coaching. Okay. And, of course, your website. Yeah, www.ikigaiprocoaching.com. And a reminder to audio listeners, that diagram we were talking about, Norm was talking, explaining, is on that website. Thanks, Norm. Yes. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh, it was great having you on the show, Norm. Yeah, thank you. Chat. And thank you all so very much for tuning in. And again, we love reading your comments, so keep them coming. And um, until next time, everyone, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.